You're listening to Once, episode 143, The Jolly Roger. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. Thank you for joining us as we discuss this episode, The Jolly Roger. I did a little math. We only have five more episodes left in this season. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Sniffle. That that stinks. Yeah. I did that math this week, too, just because I'm like 17. Wow. Right. So for the next... (laughs) There aren't any breaks before the finale, so don't think Not that there will be any. Easter? Yeah. That's, really? Hmm. Yeah. I don't feel good about that. I don't either. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Oncers. You can send hate to my Twitter. It's kind of rude of them to show it on Easter, I think. Yeah. Well, let's talk about something that will make us feel better, and that is <laughs> this episode. Well, <laughs> starting, will starting it make with, us yeah, feel better? I don't know. Because it starts with Hook. I didn't get to be here for the Initial Reactions podcast. Good job to you and Jacqueline, though. Um, but I will I will just give a brief synopsis of my initial reactions, which were, meh. Meh, yeah. <laughs> After rewatching my reactions a little more like, <sighs> but uh, you, you'll, you'll hear why. I, there were some things that I liked, too, so I don't think I'm going to be a, what's, what's a good term, negative... Nelly, uh, um, a, a collapsing bridge. I'm not going to be a collapsing bridge <laughs> entirely. Entirely. Or let's yes. add some magic to the bridge with <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Who I thought was Robin Hood from the get go. Oh, I thought it was Hook <laughs> from the voice. I could tell that that's probably Hook. See, I thought that it didn't sound like Hook. Well, it was it was deeper and more in armor sounding <laughs> more slightly disguised because they were being tricksy and false and tricksy and false <laughs> and then and then he he basically for you lost fans shouts light him up <laughs> oh yeah and torches lit by perhaps no one perhaps unseen people light all around them that was a nice little lost nod it wasn't nearly as fast as the others. We need to speed it up. Smee. <laughs> oh, Smee. Smee. But these He's are back. pretty fierce pirates to stride. Yes. The seven roads. I think there are more than seven. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. And Smee is... He's a little stronger than we might have ever given him credit for. He's just... He's so well adjusted to having been a rat... Being a human's good too, you know. As long as he can have cheese. Yeah, I think everyone should just remember that when you're having a bad day, it's like you could be a rat, but being a human's good too. (laughs) Except, well, I don't know if that'll help because you might prefer being a rat. I like how many times they referenced it because it's kind of like (laughs) the elephant joke in the room that everyone has to say something about the fact that wasn't he a rat at some point? I know. Shouldn't he still be a rat if they're back in Storybrooke? Oh, well, they explained that away with a shrug and a line. So, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
It's like, eh, you know, I guess that was a benefit of the curse. Cool for you. Yeah. Cool I mean, for he, the plot. He was turned into a rat by Rumple, not by the curse. Right. So, Correct. But it does make a little sense that it was undone. Yeah. Taking him to Storybrooke. I don't know. Well, no, it was taking him from Storybrooke back to the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. I don't so know that, that part that makes, makes sense. sense. I guess it does. I don't know that yeah. it does. It did put them back in many ways the way they were. Thankfully, minus, you know, sword wounds and things. Yeah. But then when they got back to Storybrooke, they were brought back to where they were when they were originally in yeah. Storybrooke. So, Says okay. Mary Margaret's hair. Right, right? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with him not being a rat. Okay. But it was a enough. bit of a shrug. Okay. On their part. I'll accept that. <laughs> Only because Jeremy said so. I like what happened. Well... Part of what happened here <laughs> when they bring this gift and <laughs> Hook is like, oh, you didn't know that's didn't, exactly my color dress. Thank you so much. That's yes, the dress I want. That's exactly what that <laughs> gift was. Why didn't they have her pop out of a cake is my question. <laughs> no, that was one of the most awkward things that has ever happened in Once Upon a Time. So I'm glad that he handled it the way he did. I Yeah, I was hoping something like that would happen because... When I first saw it, I was thinking, no, come on. Already he's just willing to just I know. run off with any girl like that? I can't remember all my thoughts, but I, I feel that somewhere in there was, if this goes down that way, the Hook fans are not going to like me. <laughs> For real, because, yeah, that was not going to paint him in a good light. But instead, he showed some character. Mm-hmm. Some character. Kinda... He still wanted the reputation, but he showed some character. Yeah. It kind of shows how far his character has come since we first met him, since in those days, like, first of all, everything coming out of his mouth was a a analogy or a euphemism for That's something true. inappropriate. Which is or, apparently a pirate thing. Yeah, or he, like, he would have jumped on this opportunity. So it kind of shows... Like, he hasn't spoken the way that he used to speak very often. Like, even in this episode when he did, he was talking about a ship. Right. Um, so, yeah, it shows his character development, and I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I'm surprised he hasn't, in the past, mentioned renaming the Jolly Roger Emma. <laughs> maybe <laughs> the Emma it, maybe Swan. too soon. Maybe it's too soon. So we saw a cutthroat Ariel, and that was weird. It was weird. <laughs> it's like Remember the time her and Belle couldn't uh, face John and Michael very well? <laughs> That's true. And, and then it's kind of, it seems with some of the female characters, they are tough when they need to be, and they are not tough when, they, when it's convenient for the storyline. Well, you know, everyone has bad days. I guess. And yeah. A, a lot of things happen conveniently for the storyline, and I. It's true. I, I have to be a little bit of a, of a skeptic with this episode, as much of a, of a fan as I am of Once Upon a Time, and still liked this episode. This isn't in my bottom list of episodes, but still, there were a couple <laughs> things on here that were just like too convenient yeah. and too contrived just to make the story flow in this particular direction. Yeah, I have to say, it is my probably least favorite episode of at least this half of season three if not all of season three but it still outranks my least favorites from season two it outranks all of them it's still an enjoyable show it still has some real highlights and some scenes i loved the bridge scene 
for the most yeah, part. Yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, the the title card thing that they show was even a little bit funny because it, it took me actually until just now to figure out why David's truck was in because that's not what the episode was about yeah. at all. <laughs> uh, so we just got the well, we can't really call it sword and a Ford. I guess this was the Ford with a sword, maybe. <laughs> I assume the sword was in the truck and that probably yeah. David was driving it or, you know, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out mailboxes. They should have put a mailbox. I guess that would have been giving too much away. Do you think that was the main plot of this episode was the truck and the mailbox? It's a new ship. <laughs> it's what, it's pickup think... mail or yes. do you... <laughs> mail pickup <laughs> or or mail truck. Yes, or... mail truck. Do you think see like that is such that meeting is so much like charming and snow, don't you think? <laughs> it's like snow hit him with a rock and the truck just totally knocked the mailbox over, but later true love will blossom. They're both made of metal, mark my words. <laughs> they would have had to fly that mailbox especially into steveston for that (laughs) you're right it's not because our mailboxes here in canada are bright red and taller than that and great more i would say not near the road nice touch so they fly in a u.s mailbox and hit it with a truck i can see what's going on here It's Canadian infiltration on the set. That's what's happening. Imagine the call that they had to make to the post office to ask for that. Hey, can we borrow a mailbox that so we can hit it with a pickup truck? Face government property. I, I don't think they can even say no mailboxes were harmed in the filming of this episode. Probably not. <laughs> but back to what actually <clears throat> happened. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, all I have for you is another unlikely ship. the ship and hook is that a thing are people shipping the jolly roger and hook because he sure seems to be in love with it (laughs) i don't know what we would call it he did start talking about it in many times how much he loves his ship hook ships himself (laughs) with that ship (laughs) and he will go down with that ship believe me yeah yes he will if he finds it again. <laughs> I, I liked how he said the wrong pirate has you to Ariel, too. It made me think that maybe they're not in the Enchanted Forest. Maybe they're in Mother Russia. <laughs> again, with the Mother Russia reference? Yeah, yeah. He said the wrong... I don't remember what he said first. I just remember the wrong pirate has you. He reversed it. Russia, I say. But they do end up working together. A little yes. bit. Because she knows yeah. her way around the pirate code. Yes. And as it turns out, this is the only real Ariel we saw. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. In this episode, yeah. Right. She, it's, I at first was going to write like, yeah, because Ariel would totally know pirate code. That's convenient. But then I'm like, oh, she is a mermaid. So she totally would know pirate that's code. That's true. So that's true. she reminded me, though, of... um. I don't even know the character's name, but Kira Knightley's character in Pirates of the Caribbean when she was oh. all like Harley and you Elizabeth to... Swan. Really? <laughs> Again with the Swan. Yeah. And the Swan? Funny. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> that's funny because Hook reminded me of Jack Sparrow a couple of times in this episode. Yeah. Particularly when he first walked onto the Jolly Roger. 
<laughs> and announced his presence. <laughs> <laughs> well, on their way to the Jolly Roger, as they go trudge, trudge, trudge in the <laughs> forest, this is the first time that we really get a good look at this cloak that has Ursula on the emblem of the cloak on it. Because apparently they worship her there or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did have that big statue yeah. in Prince Eric's uh, castle, which actually mm. the statue is Ursula. I think. I don't know about that. I, I think it was. When you look back at that episode of Ariel in season three, mm. when Ursula gets angry at Regina for imitating yeah. her, it's actually that statue. Yes, it's the statue, but if she's as powerful as all that, maybe she was using the statue because she didn't want to reveal herself. Yeah, but why not just reveal herself? Well, because... <laughs> because no one has seen her and she didn't want to break that streak. I mean, that ru- that takes away so much of her mystique. But it is a consistent symbol for the kingdom. Yes. Maybe yeah. she's actually that pendant, too. <laughs> And it's kind of um, consistent with, in in a weird way, it's consistent with the Little Mermaid. So in the Little Mermaid, Eric was a sailor, as they said, even in this episode, he's a sailor. And they believed in the, the, the animated Disney movie, they believed all the myths of the sea. So in one of the scenes, they're talking about King Trident and the storm that he's making. So it would be the same if Ursula rules that they would believe kind of in the myths of that, or at least kind of not worship the myth of that, but just have that be part of their heritage as a maritime Hmm. uh, location. Hmm. Um, Another thing Ariel said reminded me of the movie, only she wasn't being very true to her character (laughs) (laughs) because she said nothing is more boring than land travel, which in... Ariel's song in the movie Part of Your World, she's like yearning for that. She wants feet so she can run on the, what's it called? The road. Maybe this Ariel doesn't yearn. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And uh, the song also says like, flipping your fins, you don't get too far, which is kind of false, but. um, (laughs) It is is false. But that is a line from it, so. Um, (laughs) That's funny. People put on, I mean, humans put on fins. Flippers to get anyway. further, yeah, yeah, to swim far. One of our listeners to this podcast is actually a professional mermaid. Oh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like, she'll perform in um, That's uh, That took me a second things. to understand yeah. that you were serious. That's great. They have these amazing mermaid tails that you can buy now. They The little kids that I take care of have them. They're like a bathing suit material that you put on over your bathing suit over your legs and then you put like these plastic things in the bottom and like zipper it in and you have a mermaid fin wow it's very cool (laughs) that's that's (laughs) if you're 12 if you're 12 or or if it's your profession 20 something yeah (laughs) but as they get to the jolly roger and have this showdown i thought the guy that they got to play blackbeard perfect except yes he didn't really have a beard. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, like, I didn't notice. I must have been too busy looking at his Disney Captain Hook hair. He had less of a beard <laughs> than I do. Well, I, his was a little bit thicker, but mine is longer. And I'm do Captain you, Redbeard. Oh, yes, you are. Do you think that they were going for the animated Captain Hook look with Blackbeard? Because that's who he reminded me of. 
Yeah, maybe a little and bit. And frankly, I looked up the actor and he's I've seen him in something else. He's far more intimidating. Like the Without way the he makeup? normally looks. Yeah, the way they <laughs> I was kind of like, that's Blackbeard. Hmm. He's not really striking fear into my heart. Maybe I just haven't seen him fight yet. And that didn't do it either. Is Blackbeard from something? Well, yeah, um, Blackbeard. From the sea. He's a pirate. Blackbeard is actually a legendary character. His real name was Edward Teach or Edward Thatch. Um, you can see why it went by Blackbeard. He was a real pirate <laughs> around the end of the 17th century. And here's a quotation from Wikipedia about him, which is quite different than you might expect. It says, contrary to the modern day picture of the traditional tyrannical pirate, he commanded the vessels with the permission of their crews and there is no known account of his ever having harmed or murdered those he held captive. That's boring. He was romanticized after his death and became the inspiration for a number of pirate-themed works of fiction across a range of genres. Treasure Island yes. is one okay. very notable one where Blackbeard is introduced in that book. That makes sense. Well, and, you know, after Hook made him walk the plank... Hook was then commanding that vessel with the permission of the crew, yeah. too, based on his threats. So that may be an inaccurate write-up. Who knows? It is interesting, though. Their little scene, though, while they're fighting on the boat really reminded me of Steven Spielberg and the movie Hook. Because Steven Spielberg liked this particular film technique, and he used it in, I think, maybe all four of the Indiana Jones movies, if you want to count the last one as an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> but he also used it in the movie Hook, another Steven Spielberg okay. film. Love Hook. Where, the, the sail thing? Where it is a shadow of the mm. action, and you're watching the shadow happen. And in Hook, the shadow was cast onto a sail when <laughs> Hook was fighting against Peter Pan. I liked that. But honestly, I thought it was because it was distracting almost because none of the rest of it was all that remarkable. And then they go behind the sail and their silhouettes are there. And I thought, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I think I thought it was going to be something significant that they would have an easier time pulling off that way. Like, like maybe Blackbeard was going to get decapitated or something. I don't know, but then but it, it was cool for a second, and then it was gone, and nothing really happened. The guts spilling out on the deck, that maybe? That was a disgusting... There were a couple of disturbing lines, um, one of which I shall not really get into. Let's just say I think they got a little awkward over the ship. <laughs> I was... Yeah. I was quite uncomfortable with the way they were about that ship. One of the interesting things that one of our listeners, uh, Elimo78, mentioned is that in the Peter Pan novel, it mentions that Hook was actually Blackbeard's bosun. Huh? Hmm. Well, what's a bosun? Uh, some kind of sailor <laughs> term. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one who doesn't, who doesn't know not being a pirate myself. I've never actually known a pirate probably good i've known yeah. people who have imitated pirates in what sense like oh. how popular being a pirate like became pirate after Day. pirates of the caribbean oh right um 
I was a pirate for Halloween <gasps> when I was about four years old, and that was way before Pirates of the Caribbean. So. Oh, wait. I did that, too. Not at four. Well, you know... Maybe when you were four. You know who maybe... <laughs> <laughs> it was Peter Pan, though, that that was in reference to, I think. <laughs> you know who maybe isn't a pirate? Captain um, Hook? Yeah. Mm, right. <laughs> He's spending so much time in this episode, in the past trying to prove that he's still a pirate and doing all of these piratey things. But he's not really succeeding very well. He's not no. making that impression. Maybe even not on his own crew, based on some of the ways that they were whispering to each other. He did kill Blackbeard. Yeah. That was rather piratey and murderous of him. By the way, Jack let us know, uh, Jack who writes our show notes, let us know that Boson is assistant to the captain. Oh. Well, thank you. So Hook is a captain of some sort, but I'd say he's not really a pirate. He's trying to be. I mean, like he kind of refers to in Storybrook that he said something about um, trying to go back to what he was and it just wouldn't work. I, I, we're, yeah. That's what we're seeing. And many people are like that, where when something terrible happens, they try to go back to the good old days, the way things <laughs> were. But the truth is that you can almost never go back to just the way things were. Mm -hmm. You always have to deal with the situation and move on. Yeah. Which stinks, but <laughs> it makes us better people. It's true. It is makes he, us less piratey. Is he... I just hope that they're not saying that he's not a pirate anymore because he's in love. Because I think it's pretty apparent that he was in love with Mila when they were together. Yeah. So... And he was still a pirate then. He was just maybe less of a pirate in that one context of, you know, like euphemisms and yeah. analogies. Well, then Milo he was. Mila was not exactly the best person either. True. <laughs> and also letting Ariel go like that, just letting her go instead of keeping her as prisoner. True, And that's not a very piratey thing because it was when he let her go that you could see some of the other crew members started whispering to each other a little bit. Hmm. Well, it's not like she gave him a huge opportunity to reprimand her after. No, she slapped him, though. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So they yeah, that's when it was expected some reaction. But... Uh, she does ask that greatly important question. Isn't true love more important than a few planks of wood in a sail? Well, she has her love and he has his. I do wonder if that's maybe one of the things or maybe just running into her like this is what kind of poked Hook's heart a little bit and made him consider, is this really the path that he wants to take? Well, I would think having fought for some worthwhile things, it would seem a bit empty at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That tends to happen when selfish people do selfless things for a while. At least in stories. <laughs> Probably in real life, too. But at least Ariel does get to jump in. I wonder if the crew was suddenly thinking, wait, there are sharks there. Don't That's what in. I was thinking. I was thinking, like, I guess they don't like mermaids. I know. <laughs> like mermaids can't be eaten by pirates. And by the way, the little boiling had stopped. Isn't she concerned about bloody water? Lots of things in my head. I just wouldn't have jumped in there if I were her. Mermaids are friends, not food. <laughs> <laughs> Some mermaids. I've seen at least one mermaid that I'd have been fine if she had been food. 
You know, not for me, for sharks. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know who else is a collection of friends and not food to us? Um, our the sponsors. Who sponsor us? <laughs> yes. And our list- all our listeners, really. But Yes, you are friends, not food. But big thanks especially to Steve Johnson, David Newland, and Lisa Slack. You guys are like the teeth of this podcast that help keep this podcast going and chomping down on all of the black beards that are cast into the sea. Thank you so mm. much for feeding the podcast. We really appreciate the support because the podcast <laughs> does cost a lot to run. It's a few hundred dollars per month to run so we really appreciate the support in covering those expenses and we will continue to provide the podcast for free but we appreciate those kind donations steve david and lisa thank you so much thank you and if you would like to donate to support an episode of once podcast please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor you can make an automatic monthly donation or even just a one-time donation over there and there are many different options that you can choose from over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and thank you again thanks so now let's journey on to storybrooke as (laughs) building the crib this is awesome this scene well the beginning of it at least was awesome yeah, a great, well, realistic explanation of what it's like to build those kinds of things. And we got a nice little reference of Marco. Yeah. Uh, we did? Mm-hmm. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Snow had said, why don't we just call Marco? He's much, oh. he's really good at these things. Another another line designed to tell us, yes, these people still exist. They're still living around here. I, I loved how she read through the instructions and got to the end. And the way she said not provided was <laughs> classic fun, Emma. And which is, aren't words that usually go together. But when they have fun with her, that's <laughs> how she sounds. And it's great. I loved her reaction to calling Marco because, like, usually Charming would be the one who's like, no, I can do it myself, whatever. Like... I'm the guy. I can build the crib. And then Emma's like, how dare you even suggest that? That's that's what her face was saying. Yeah. And speaking of words that don't seem to go together. The number of spells involving baby parts would surprise you. Yeah. Crib parts, not the only parts being discussed. That was so many disturbing lines, frankly, this episode. It's disturbing. Yes. But I think helps make certain things give a little more sense to realize that oh yes yeah okay oh that's why maybe rumpelstiltskin and other people have been after firstborn babies is yeah. because you need baby parts for certain spells <laughs> well okay and yet it was just disturbing slash nonchalant enough that i have a feeling we can take that as a sign that that is not what zelina is after hmm. i feel like they wouldn't even though it'd be kind of funny if they did, but gross. I don't think they would sort of bring it up in that way if that's really what's going on. Right. Yeah. Snow would have done something like, you think that's why Zelina wants my baby? (laughs) And then they would have dwelt on it for a little while. There was room for a really great reaction there. (laughs) I question the protection spell being on the apartment only because... A, five seconds later, they're not in the apartment anymore. <laughs> um, B, yeah. I'm guessing Snow is going to have her baby in a hospital. 
just guessing. She's done it at home before. Maybe the dwarf is going to come and deliver this new baby too. But it just seems a little bit redundant to put a protection spell on the place where snow is probably the safest. Well, there's something seriously wrong with all these people. (laughs) They are not living as though there is a wicked witch on the loose, in control of the town after them, and in control of the Dark One. They're building a crib. Well, Henry is apparently at the store by himself. (laughs) Like, I will watch him when he gets back from the store. Who's watching him right now? What is going on with you people? Is this curse affecting you more than we thought? Is it making you stupid? It's crazy. All through this episode, I may I may call out some other moments where, hello, not protecting yourself. It's they, It was very strange to me. They did kind of address that point, though, when Snow was freaking out and Emma's like, hey, life goes on. We got to keep living. Really? But, this crib yeah. is a statement. That's what she said. <laughs> Uh, uh, I still okay I might have been okay at that moment if Henry had been in the apartment but clearly because they've left this whole memory thing going on he couldn't be in the apartment or they couldn't have talked so they had to send him out but at least give him somewhere plausibly safe to be since none of the people interested in protecting him are with him that makes no sense at all Grannies would have been good. Yeah, if they'd even right? said granny, we'd all have been like, crossbow, awesome. <laughs> Monkeys, not a threat. Werewolf daughter, awesome. <laughs> right, because she apparently still exists. I forgot. Yeah. It was nice to see her briefly anyway. <laughs> I do think, though, that this is just, like, it's it's real life, right? Like, when something terrible is happening, people try to just go on and do what they always do i would say if a convict who had tried to kill me (laughs) had not been apprehended and was known to still be in my town i'd be living life but differently my kids would not be out playing in well they wouldn't be playing in the street anyway but you get the idea things would be different you have to live differently when there's a known active threat and I am kind of frustrated that that's not being reflected right now. Well, maybe Emma will be living very differently after this episode because for a what, while. what Regina said as she was saying that she would teach Emma magic after Emma asked for it, Emma, uh, Regina said, you have to fully commit to it. And Emma didn't <laughs> have a problem with that. And Regina even called it a way of life, yeah. which makes me think that Emma is basically saying, yes. I'm willing to commit to a way of life of using magic or or to say it or get that deep into magic. She's willing to say it to Regina. Yeah. And later on, and I don't remember what it is. uh, We'll get to it. But she basically she's doesn't mean it. (laughs) You're you're saying like about uh, leaving. She's either got some kind of weird split personality thing going on or the curse is making her crazy or she lied to Regina because, yeah, she's kind of like eh no i'm i'm willing to do this to protect henry i'm not committing to anything well i think that this will be how henry will find out the truth of what's going on is that something will I happen so. and emma will use her magic to protect henry yeah and yeah. one of two things could happen one is henry could suddenly go 
all weird, like, Mom, you're, you're crazy. I don't, I don't want to be around you. You're a freak. Uh, he could do something like that. And then she could make the vines restrain him and give him a cupcake. <laughs> or, <laughs> or a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> or a New York bagel, actually. <laughs> or Gelato. any kind of food. <laughs> Frozen yogurt. We could go on and on listing the foods. But uh, the other thing that could happen is that maybe Henry would be like, Mom, this is so cool. You can do magic. Oh, wow. You're the awesomest person ever. <laughs> can you take us back has, to New York? <laughs> has has even not cursed Henry ever witnessed Emma doing magic? No. I don't think he oh, has. Non-cursed, non-cursed Henry. Henry. Like, uh, I don't think Henry has ever seen Emma do magic in the history of this show. Am I oh, because he's been not present or... No, wait. Oh, oh when at the end, yeah. The yeah, finale. at the end yeah. of season two, he yeah. saw Sorry. Emma and Regina oh. working together. That was some pretty epic magic right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, duh. I forgot the, like, the biggest well, scene that Emma's two. ever done magic in. It was season two. It's blocked out. True. And he got kidnapped, <laughs> so maybe he didn't actually see it. That's true. He, he forgot about the, the attack on the diamond <laughs> because he was thrown into an ocean portal but he does believe in her magic her he ability does. because in he the did. pilot episode he said something about you're more powerful than you know i think you're gonna bring back the happy ending yeah <laughs> i've only watched that scene like a couple dozen times <laughs> couple in dozen. my life today <laughs> not today <Come> <laughs> Well, then, as we go and get to see Hook and Smee in the present world, and yet more rat references. <laughs> also, the weekly Simeon mention. Yeah. I have to say that word every week. That's the whole reason for the flying monkeys. Even though this episode was called the Jolly Roger, and we got to see Hook fight to get the Jolly Roger back. His true love. We, we still don't know what happened to it. And Hook still refuses to tell. So there's still, I think, more story. Oh, yeah. he did. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Because in this scene, he did say, uh, during this conversation between Hook and Smee, they were talking about, well, where is the Jolly Roger? And, and Hook wouldn't tell. And he refuses to tell. So I think it's more than just this Prince Eric thing. Okay. But I think it's probably a string of bad decisions that he made. Ultimately leading up to, I, I like the idea that one of our listeners sent in, that he traded the ship for the magic to be able to get back to our world. Interesting. Yeah. Except that seems a little bit honorable, so I'm not sure why he'd be so... Maybe he made a deal with somebody he really shouldn't have. Or hmm. there was some other payment in addition. Uh, maybe. I would not... <clears throat> Ooh, now I want to rewatch some scenes. I feel like maybe he's met <laughs> Zelina before. I wonder that too sometimes. I don't know how that all works, but look how it worked tonight. Yeah. Or in this episode, rather. But, and I've thought about that, and it wouldn't make sense because why couldn't he say who was responsible for all of this? He didn't know. Um, Maybe he didn't, but maybe... It was a different sort of a deal. He doesn't have to know about the curse. Did he ever see Zelina with the Charmings? Oh, in present day? Yes. I don't think so. I don't recall. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting in any case. 
This was the conversation where Emma said what I was just referencing, though. She said, I'm not embracing anything, which is the exact opposite of what she had just told yeah. Regina. So something's way off, whether it's the script or Emma, it, something is inconsistent with her. I think Emma's very torn because I think that she, like, she, well, she's got to be torn. Now she is both again. Or- <laughs> Not again, but for the first time. Yeah. And she's got like these two very conflicted worlds. So can does she want Henry to be normal and grow up in New York normal, free from all of this? And that means leaving her parents that she's now found again. Right. Like, so I think maybe Emma doesn't know what Emma wants. Yeah, she's um, way too attached to that. And I wish that's one of the few plots they haven't moved along very quickly that I kind of wish they would go ahead and just resolve. I want her to get over it and Henry to get his memories back. Personally. I wonder if they're making her, like, I wonder if she's sitting on the fence until he gets his memories back. So I wonder if she's not going to commit to staying, just seeing how it plays out to see if his memory comes back in another way or to see if he's tainted by this experience in some way. And then she obviously would have to tell him, like almost like she's waiting for her hand to be forced. Well, I think probably, I don't know. For some reason, they are absolutely convinced that if you try to cross the town line anywhere, you get grabbed by a monkey. And I feel like they don't have enough evidence that that's the case. They saw it sort of once and it could have been coincidence. I'm sure that is the case, but I don't know. They should have pushed another dwarf across or something. (laughs) Not really. Just kidding. (laughs) All you wonderful dwarves. But Hook said in this scene exactly what you said earlier, Daniel. He said, no matter how much you wish you could go back to your old life, you can't. And go with that, Emma. (laughs) Just go with that. Keep your son close. Don't let him get turned into a monkey. And have some frozen yogurt. Or a monkey's breakfast. Uh, Yeah, a monkey's breakfast, which (laughs) apparently is in the works. And just, you know, get him his memories back and have your little family and storybook and defeat the witch. There, I wrote the end. <laughs> I had a theory um, about what we were talking about just previous to this when we were talking about the Jolly Roger and where it is now. I think that this episode really established how much Hook really cares for his boat, his wood and a sail. Yeah. And then it kind of also established how much he cares for Emma. So I'm wondering if the, what we're missing, the piece that we're missing is that he, like, I think somebody did theorize this already, but he had to give up the boat for a second chance with Emma. Yeah. And that's the big theory that's going on. And we've got a link uh, in our show notes for this episode, number 143 to a forum post. That's all about this and theorizing about what happened to the Jolly Roger. And, that I think makes the most sense. And it's it's probably the way this is going to turn out. Yeah. You know, all jokes about it being his true love aside, he ties his identity to it. So that's yeah. really why it's so important. And he's clinging to something that is old and that he can't go back to. But yeah, I think obviously it has... Something to do with its coming back, most likely, but I I still feel like there's more to it of a sinister or a bad choice nature if he won't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, why would he not just say, 
well, yeah, I had to get Emma, so I traded the ship, blah, blah, blah. Unless, well, yeah, why wouldn't he say that to Emma? But I can understand him saying that or not saying that to Smee, because Smee would probably be like, what? You're not a pirate anymore. You're you're not a captain anymore if you got rid of your boat. Yeah. So I can understand <laughs> that secret, but he's keeping it from Emma. Like you guys pointed right. out, the person who could appreciate this sacrifice the most unless he's saving it for the right time to tell her when she can truly appreciate it and not just feel like what you'd sacrificed your boat for me come on you should have stayed on your boat yeah i think he must have done i think he probably did something else selfish that maybe has caused them all a lot of trouble and that cost him the ship very possible right it could have been something that maybe zelina needed the ship and he forgot part well, yeah, maybe she got him to kiss the boat and <laughs> <laughs> and that enacted the curse somehow it took the heart of the thing he loved most which at that point was the ship well moving on when snow and, <laughs> and it's david, plausible at this point when snow and david are walking along the beach and they discover ariel there this is the spot where i felt like the story started getting a bit too convenient. Yeah. And like, here's this girl that shows up. I haven't seen her anywhere. And then, oh, let's let's go to Hook. He'll be able... It just... This is my last criticism of this episode. <laughs> but it it just seemed a no bit such too contrived for the, the perfect timing and bringing everything together. I know that they're trying to tell a story, sure. But this is where I think the writing was just a little bit weak. But I... Yeah. I can't think of another way they could have done it. Well, the good news is that everything that I hated, well, hated is too strong a word. Everything that, every gripe that I had like that during my first watch about Ariel in Storybrooke was explained by the fact that it was Zelina. Sort of like the, like the convenient timing. It's like she shows up. Well, of course she did because it's Alina. It wasn't really this whole story of Ariel and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, she just happened to show up at this time. It's when Zelina needed to do this. Which really then harkens back to her superb ability to, to scheme and plot and plan such an elaborate thing to know that this would be the way to get to hook, to -hmm. get to hook's heart so that she could curse his lips that's where it broke down for me a little bit she knew details that she could not i don't care how many spies she has that apparently are circling that nobody sees somehow even though a winged monkey is going to really stick out i should say her simian spies what what if her spies have been the crows that we've heard the crows for all three seasons that would actually be completely amazing <laughs> but uh, still i don't know how she could have known that bell and ariel were friends i don't know how she could have known but did she need to know that cloak? bell and ariel were friends yes because she walked into the shop calling for bell as though she knew that ariel should know bell and know that bell was in the shop Oh, right. Okay. So I don't know. In fact, it reminded me, oh, they were friends. Well, I don't see how she would have known that. It's possible. It's just not all that plausible from what they've shown us. Right. Well, and she also knew things like when Pan failed. Right. And that kind of stuff. And and the cloak, you know, she knew that it was Eric's cloak, but I don't know. Do her. I mean, those must be some detailed monkey reports. 
Like, <laughs> and he was wearing this cloak. Commit it to memory. Ariel did have a huge hissy fit about the cloak in the flashback when it ripped. <laughs> That's true. I guess that might catch a monkey's attention. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, like, what I wrote was, we just put up a protection spell, so naturally a walk on the beach in the winter and the rain is in order. <laughs> um, like, they didn't have to find her on the beach. Ariel would have been able to find out where Snow and Charming live. She could have knocked on their door, and that would have at least, you know, helped with that believe believability of right. that scene. <laughs> what was funny about that scene to me, too, is that they managed to somehow make Charming and Snow seem old to me. <laughs> just the way they act and the way they're talking about we're we're fun we're cool and then i don't know there was just some stuff about it, it was like, how did they make them uh, seem old they're not even old they're just grandparents well they're and, old know. though if you count how many years they've lived at the same age that's true they're old but not aged when i right. see someone for the first time in a long time i'm going to say to them what snow said where have you been? We thought you'd been turned into a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> there was a nice little The Little Mermaid reference in here because Ariel said that she's been under the sea. Right. Under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Sorry. Okay. Darn it. As, uh, as Hook and Henry are then in the diner playing dice here, they're gambling with fries. Which would have to be cold by this point. Yeah. But Hook it's is clearly winning. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, he's cheating. <laughs> so, Emma, take note. Hook, listen to how Hook talks about the dice. He's trying to corrupt Henry. Henry's not having any of it. Henry's a better influence on Hook. Even after yeah. all this redemption, Hook is still a kind of a bad influence. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, this is something that Jacqueline brought up, too. Afterward, uh, she sent this note that... Hook is teaching Henry that all that matters is winning. Yeah. Bad, bad influence. And Jacqueline raised the question of what would Regina and Emma say about this if they if they learned about all of this? Yeah, I and, think they'd say, hmm, maybe not such a good role model for Henry after all. Yeah, isn't he supposed to be a reformed pirate? <laughs> well, apparently he's violent and impulsive. Didn't Charming well. <laughs> make a comment, though, like, if Hook can st- teach him to steal a boat, then we can teach him to drive yeah. or whatever. So they it's not like they don't know what Hook has been doing with Henry, I guess. True. Yeah. Ugh. That. <laughs> <laughs> but Hook and Charming did have this little conversation where... David is being so totally Prince Charming. There's <laughs> no reason to play with false hope. Uh, in my experience, there's no such thing. Just have to believe. Especially when you have my fearless bravery. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing as false and hope. And my catchphrase. I will always find you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I totally. It was noble. I'm not sure I totally agree with him. No such thing as false hope. Mm-hmm. If it turns out not to be true, it was, you know, probably false hope. I, I I still, they mentioned also that all their stuff was at Gold's, and I'm not sure, since they've kind of done this whole cursed into Storybrooke thing before, I'm not sure why they don't all just go to Gold's and get their stuff. Because they all know who they are, and they know their stuff is there. I feel like I'd go and be like, that's mine, that's mine, I'm just, I'm going to take this home. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it's not like she needs to sell it to make any money because, well, I don't know. Maybe they have to pay all the rent to Zelina now. Or or not now? Because <laughs> which? Right. But... I don't. I guess they weren't around long enough to. We'll find her. Establish. We'll we'll defeat her. Uh, oh, oh, she's knocking on the door. We have to pay the rent, and then we will go back to finding her. And no, I, I I think if she was no, she wasn't even in a position to collect anything but midwife fees before. She midwife didn't give fees? herself much midwife fees. No. <laughs> well, while Hook is teaching Henry how to cheat. Regina is teaching Emma how to cheat at <laughs> life, how to use at magic. Life. <laughs> and uh, this was pretty interesting. And there's a really interesting like tie this. between this because do you know which episode it was the last time that Regina tried to teach Emma magic? In Neverland. Yeah, it was in Neverland. The episode oh. was Ariel. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, well, that's fun. And there were some tie-ins here with uh, that scene back then and this scene here. Because back then in Neverland, Regina gave up and got frustrated and said that Emma was a waste of ability. And then here in this scene, as in a little bit later, when they're on the bridge, Regina is upset that Emma has wasted all of this talent and that potential. potential yeah. Yeah, And in both cases, uh, David had said, this is a bad idea. He said it in Neverland, and he'd said it to Emma and Regina back when Emma asked Regina to teach her mag- magic. Mm-hmm. David had also said, then, this is a bad idea. <laughs> they set up this really weird teacher versus child-student dynamic yeah. between the two of them. I said, don't touch. And then, <laughs> oh, I'm never going to read this. I can't. I don't want to learn from a book. <laughs> Here, why don't you possibly die? Okay, I'll read from a book. Because teachers do that too. They drop kids off bridges. Just kidding, teachers. <laughs> that book, by the way, is the same book that Cora had, that Regina learned from, and that Regina got back. And remember, Regina almost destroyed that book. Right. The spells were in the book. Apparently, <laughs> they don't even turn you green. Nope. Sadly. But the spells are in the book. Yes. And what's also in the book, this is awesome. Joel did some great research. I I think I might dub Joel the screenshot research person (laughs) because (laughs) he did some great digging around about what those symbols and the pattern and stuff mean. The the pages, Yeah, or half Half elfish. elfish. (laughs) Which, whatever. I hope we hear a little more about that someday. But uh, Joel said that they're the two things that we saw, the symbols and then the layout, completely unrelated things, maybe, but the the stuff that this actually is, it's called the, it's a, or let me just read this. The design comes from old Jewish Kabbalah teachings and is what's called a safirot. Sephirot, whatever, <laughs> meaning the 10 emanations and attributes of God with which he continually sustains the universe in existence. And we've got a link and we'll have a screenshot in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 143, where you can see that the pattern of this is exactly the same as the pattern that is in the spell book. That's really odd. Yeah. And then it, it 
continues though on from this, the symbols that we see in this spell book are a collection of alchemy symbols. And there are a bunch of different things representing different uh, things like transformation, uh, different phases of transformation, like abstraction, putrefaction, digestion, purification, uh, coagulation, reverberation, and a lot more. And we've got a chart with a bunch of these in the show notes as well over at oncepodcast.com slash 143. But Joel summarizes (laughs) with this thought. He said, the only thing I can really gather from all of this is that both the Jewish Kabbalah and the practice of alchemy are both deeply rooted in mysticism and transformation. Uh-huh. Maybe it is a simple representation of the transformation Emma is making into a powerful witch. But all in all, I think it's there because it does look good in a book of spells. <laughs> Maybe. I, yeah. I, uh, I'll be honest. I would rather that uh, a show about magic and fairy tales would leave the magic to be a little bit more of a light very fictional thing and not get too much into things like actual mysticism and that sort of thing well they've got paulet from somewhere just kind of like in once upon a time in wonderland we heard some curses uttered and i ran them through through google translate and they roughly translated out to something and someone pointed out to us that well it's it's hollywood latin well right that's it's not yeah. proper grammar but they use actual latin because it sounds good yes um i i wonder if we googled magic symbols if those ones would just be you know in the top page of results <laughs> and maybe the prop people just aren't reading into it as much as we are. You know what they don't do anymore, and I'm glad. They don't just blow spells off the page at things and but inhale them and such. They uh, could. The spells are in the book. Well, but it was season two. Yeah, that was in season one, too, wasn't it? I don't think so. It was season okay. two was the, the squid ink blown on the bars and and the the other spell blown off the page and right and all but that snow stuff. but snow referenced in that episode she said uh i used to like sneak in and watch cora do magic when i was a little girl mm-hmm. the spells were in the book mm-hmm. so yeah, i i thought maybe that was a reference to something we had seen in season one but oh. maybe not <laughs> there there were so many good things about this scene though we have a new name for the two idiots. I mean, I don't really call them that, but the uncharmings. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I um, did anyone else think save the cheerleader? Yes. <laughs> I don't understand that. Reference. From heroes, save the bridge, save yourself, and it was. I was like, oh, you mean save the cheerleader, save the world? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen heroes. Well, I you know I haven't really either. <laughs> But I, everybody says that. And a little grammar lesson here. That would be a great place for a semicolon between semicolon? those. Oh. Yeah. It could. Where? Sorry? Save, <laughs> save the bridge, save yourself. Yeah. Could have a semicolon. I think so. That is, I would, I would tend to agree. They, they just both have to be separate sentences. And if it were a spell book, you could blow that semicolon at a bridge <laughs> and it would either dissolve it or build it back. I thought the way Emma did this was so representative of her character and her style. It's like Regina would, would have had her like retie the rope and like keep the bridge together, put the bridge back together, just stop her. And Emma is just like, 
boom, here's all the debris from the bridge, and I am just floating on it. It's a big mess, but it's powerful and effective. That's kind of Emma. And she did save the bridge. Well, yeah, I guess she did. She doesn't really know how to put it back together. But isn't that so representative of kind of the way she has saved Storybrooke as well? (laughs) She's kind of got all the pieces, but getting it in one piece, not kind of happening yet. Emma is very go big or go home. I don't know if it's just Emma or if it's just because like this scene reminded me of an interview that I read, I think in the official once or the unofficial once upon a time magazine last year where Emma talked about, or sorry, Jennifer Morrison talked about (laughs) how she plays Emma. And she said, well, she's basically like a 14 year old kid. (laughs) <laughs> who had to grow up and you know what I mean? Like, because she's had such a tough life, she didn't properly grow up. She didn't get the love that she needed. <laughs> and she's kind of just stuck in that mindset of like, you know, I'm of being a kid and not knowing how the world really, really works. <laughs> That's and funny. she, she said something like that when she's not sure how to play a scene or how Emma would react to something, she just thinks about how she would have reacted when she was 14. <laughs> and this scene was very much like that. Like, Regina's very much treating her like a child, and Emma's very much reacting like one. Stop! No, you stop! <laughs> <laughs> it, it remo- just you say that, I instantly think of her teaching henry how to warn her when she was inside neil's room if somebody <laughs> yes. came up and just walk walk into the door <laughs> just you just kind of just just like kick it. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> regina's expression when emma fell looked like she was genuinely concerned yeah, a genuinely little bit concerned and doing nothing nothing Like, really? How are you going to explain this, woman? You're going to go back to Storybrooke, however far away that is at this point, and you're just going to poof, and you're going to be like, so, guys, um, our first lesson didn't go so well. Emma's dead, (laughs) along with all probably hope for the town. Henry's now an orphan, and you guys are going to have to raise him, but he doesn't really know who you are. I guess I'll raise him, but he doesn't really know who I am. I just don't think, I think she should have saved Emma for so many reasons, but I don't think she was going to. It was do, weird. Do we think it's because she believed in her? No, okay. I don't. You can. Okay. I wasn't really Thanks. sure. Maybe she Thanks saw for permission. You're welcome. Maybe she saw all of the boards and things flying to Emma and she was kind of like maybe she started to and then she was like, Wait, something's happening. No, the camera didn't pan down yet, so she didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but in, our listener in Morty also pointed out the expression Regina had that looked like mm-hmm. actual concern. Like, oh no, I think I've killed her. In but, our first lesson, I'm a bad teacher. Do you think this means that Emma is actually more powerful than anyone else? Oh, yeah. I think that's always been true. She just won't embrace anything. She's certainly more powerful than Regina and Cora. And Zelina. She learned so quickly. It reminds me of Zelina. Is she more powerful than Zelina? Yes. Did we see that? Well, I think so. We haven't seen it yet. That's why Zelina needs to strip her power, though. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. How does Zelina know she can't kill Emma? Has she already tried? Maybe she did. In a way, it'd be cool to see flashbacks to New York where it's like, I don't know, <laughs> like 
like maybe gargoyles and things fall off of buildings and we emma doesn't see it but it you know bounces off of her or something like it just she naturally deflects it and she doesn't even realize that she did it or maybe secret moments where walsh monkey tried to poison or tried to kill emma right but but there's no there was no magic in new york right oh emma always has magic well walsh monkey transformed yes oh that's true well they've never been super clear on all that stuff yeah that's true. <laughs> they're like well because yeah. the dragon had magic too yeah and emma's superpower works outside of storybook yeah it's a little <laughs> mushy the whole land without magic thing oh i thought you were gonna say emma's superpower. well that too also wanted- oh wait no he's not i was gonna say also walsh monkey but he's not dead he didn't <laughs> splat <laughs> there was a comment i wanted to make about that earlier when hook was like no i don't know anything about prince eric i've never met ariel before i'm just like he is such a terrible liar like even emma would be able to tell that he was lying right how can everybody else not tell yeah then he makes that face right in front of them like oh i've just told a horrible lie i have so much (laughs) guilt don't look at me all the angst (laughs) it's a good word for it Mm -hmm. we got some uh interesting theory here uh, one interesting theory here from jeff saying i think that emma's magic will prove strong enough to give henry back his old memories i think she is kidding herself when she says that she wants to keep him in the dark yeah and it could be yeah that she'll be the one we'll probably eventually have another one of those scenes where she kind of breaks and screams out the truth at somebody yeah almost in tears and she'll she'll say I can't. I don't know. You know, there'll be something. Did you something know she can't who face I was? Yet. Yeah. So she'll have to. She'll 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 realize that she only wants to go back because she can't face, you know, whatever. Well, there might be some kind of price to pay for all of this magic that she's been using. There certainly might. You think? Well, all magic comes with a price. All magic does Deary. come with a Deary? price, except when it doesn't. By the way, did you do something for Deary Day? No, I didn't know about Deary Day until the next day. April 14th was... I was out of the loop, guys. (laughs) April 14th was Robert Carlyle's birthday. And uh, so I finally remembered it and did this thing that I've wanted to do for a couple years, and that is Deary Day, where it's basically (laughs) talk like Rumpelstiltskin Day. And I did it in the Audacity to Podcast, which is my professional podcast for for people who want to learn how to podcast. Near the beginning of the episode, I said something like, uh, doing this won't cost you your firstborn, dearie. (laughs) And I even laughed at it. But then I I did let them know just so they didn't think I was crazy. Tell me you explained it because... Awesome. I wish I could have like gone to work and talked like Rumpelstiltskin. That would have... That would have been epic. I'd have done that. I couldn't. I probably did that. and just didn't remember because I didn't know it was in honor of anything. <laughs> because I do it a lot anyway. I just hashtagged a tweet, Deary. That's it. Well, then moving on to while this is happening, I mean, a bunch of things are happening at the same time. But we go to Mr. Gold's shop with Hook <laughs> and a few others there. And... As Herc finds his little telescope and sees this photo of the woman, I I couldn't really find anything significant on that picture of the woman. Okay. I think it's just kind of an antique-like picture. Maybe a nod to the Jane Austen books, 
mm-hmm. uh, maybe a nod to just some like classic windy yeah or, or anything like that some i it's very difficult with the size of the photo and trying to do research on it i couldn't get a good enough uh, version of it to be able to find anything about mm. it but i wouldn't be surprised if it's some kind of easter egg it could just be one of the staff members grandmothers nice what has bell been doing did she say in particular she said she'd been going through the shop she said she just started sorting everything but was she doing that to find something to help or was she just doing that to pass the time while her true love is out under the control of the witch and may come and try to kill her maybe she's just like familiarizing herself with the shop so that when people come and knock in she can be like oh Let's make a deal. I have that. I think it was just another moment where they were going about their normal lives, and I still disagree that they would do that. Because (laughs) she was there by herself doing, I don't know what. I don't know if it was really helping the cause. But they're kind of at war. Let's be honest. Yeah. And and, uh, what was with the locator spell, which I will put spell in air quotes. Well, we've seen this before. We've... That? Yeah. Yeah. It was in the episode We Are Both when David came to Rumpelstiltskin and yes. asked for help. And David used the same kind of thing, a, a liquid okay. on Jefferson's hat. And the hat floated through I the air that. and took him to Jefferson. Despite what season it was in. But we've also seen similar things to this spell. Not the exact same kind of thing. But like, remember in the end of season one when Rumpelstiltskin enchanted the wedding ring that charming had yes that's fine and that helped him find that was a spell that was season one so it's okay but anything from season two yeah well you they go to all these elaborate things making spell book this is called in basic fairy tale terms people a potion not a spell because bell doesn't do magic but she can use a potion so let's call it a potion we also fans of wonderland recently saw an actual locator spell it had nothing to do with liquid that was a locator spell. This, my friends, was a potion. And apparently it didn't work very well because Eric was not truly at the bottom of the ocean. Where was that cloak going? That makes no sense to me. Maybe the potion had a spell cast on it. Maybe. Yes. It's extract of spell. <laughs> it's a- because even said spell in Wonderland that you're referring to had ingredients. It was not just a spell. He had to find, oh, yeah, right. you know, a feather and Still a rock and a leaf or something well that's true that makes me feel a little bit better maybe he spit on it so this is just the bottled kind that you can get from walmart yeah spells otc spells over the counter one of the things that really stood out to me though that i'm starting to question about something here is bell said that the cloak will return to its rightful owner where did the cloak go yeah it went into the ocean. Okay. Under the sea. So you think Ursula is in Storybrooke? Well, maybe. Maybe that cloak actually belongs to Ursula. Because it did, after all, have her image on it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it wouldn't fit her. Oh, wait. I'm thinking of the Disney Ariel. <laughs> it would probably fit the Ariel. I said Ariel. The Ursula that we saw yeah. in the statue form. Sorry, unless there's something like a portal under the sea. Maybe it swam like a mermaid. I, st- I That would have been good if when they looked at them in the mirror, the cloak had just burst out of the ocean and like landed on Eric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that would have been good. 
And then as Hook and Ariel are chasing the cloak, when they discover that it goes into the ocean, well, one of our listeners uh, had suggested, uh, our new list, our new listener, Jeremy, had suggested that why didn't Hook just say, well, Ariel, jump in after it and yeah, find Eric. I was pretty frustrated at first watching it that she didn't follow it. I was like, um, I feel like you were born for this moment. You are a mermaid. Go find out what the end of... Go find his body, at least. What are you doing? Oh, no. He's in the water. What am I going to do? Since I can't really turn into a mermaid. Which you would think she could She could turn into a mermaid, even though it was Zelina. If she can turn into a whole different person, can't she just, like, add the fish part? Yeah, why not? I don't know. But, but maybe that would be harder because, you know, Zelina still has to breathe air and stuff. So well, it makes more sense now knowing that it was actually Zelina, but it still doesn't make sense that the cape went into the water. Much yeah. sense. We can, you know, we can help them out by making some reasonable explanations, but it'd be cool if those were in the show. If it was going back to Eric, though, it could get there via water, right? Yeah. Sure. Possibly. It'd have to travel across realms, though. But but if you can't do that above water, then but we know you can underwater. That might have been the cape's only way to get there. Yeah, it's also possible that Zelina somehow changed the enchantment and cast true. her own little spell that made it go exactly where she wanted it to. That's true, and yeah. it would have kind of tipped their hand and ruined the surprise if they showed her do it. Right, and with the stuff that fake ariel was saying to hook though was really good stuff it's true it was so reaffirming so great <laughs> but absolutely horrible that it was actually zelina this whole time I know. <laughs> then as david is teaching henry to drive i just i didn't find it amusing I, am i alone in that i'm sorry i just didn't i thought it was like it was mildly amusing at first silly like, like it was silly i don't think that it was like hilarious yeah silly and this episode had a lot of silly things but it was desperate but put it put yourself in henry's shoes that Mm. would have been totally awesome to him ah yeah if he has no sense which i mean henry but he it should have been terrifying i was a little scared for them i thought something bad might happen yeah (laughs) They could have been seriously injured. And just their choice of location. Like, if you want to teach your kid to drive, regardless of whether they're 12 or not, maybe the center of town is not exactly the best choice. The first time my mom ever let me drive, there was not a car around for probably five miles because that's how (laughs) confident she was in my abilities. Um, There's, It's a whole town of forest and stuff. Like, I'm sure they could have... I'm sure Henry would have enjoyed off-roading a little bit better. Right. And they've got the Then hitting mailboxes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they could have had a sword fight. Sword and a sword. I got to do something similar uh, just before I started driving. <laughs> but it was on private property, though. So Did worry. you guys fly in a mailbox to hit? Uh, almost. <laughs> For just a second, I thought Snow was having, like, pregnancy trouble. From, like, the fright, the way she oh. reacted, I thought there was going to be a problem with the baby, and then it was all just, a, no, this was just a hokey scene. No actual danger, but for me, not a lot of actual humor. In our chat room, Rose said, my sister took out several mailbox her first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> That's hilarious. I think that my and I had to learn in a stick shift. So I think that there was an experience where I did a little unintentional off roading, but it was in sort of a <laughs> an abandoned neighborhood that had no houses, and it was like just the streets were there, so it was perfect. But I think that had there been mailboxes, I probably would have taken one out. Back to Hook and actually Zelina before she becomes Zelina. Hook really came out with quite a confession. You let a man die for your ship? What kind of person does that? Behind his empty. Who believes that a ship can fill a void left by a broken heart. And that makes it okay? No, it doesn't. I would give anything to take it back, to make things right. Anything? Yes, anything. How am I supposed to trust a man who no longer believes in love? I still do. I'm sure a lot of the Captain Swan fans here are like, yes! Yeah. Which we'll talk more about the whole implications of this to the Captain Swan idea and what this mm-hmm. might mean for Hook and Emma's relationship and that perspective when we get Jacqueline and Hunter on the line. Yeah. So, okay. The Zelina revelation, I was actually surprised, even though we hadn't seen her the entire episode. So I was impressed by that. At the same time, he barely explained the story, and I felt like Ariel doesn't – she's reacting so strongly, like she truly understands, but he barely explained. He didn't even say enough detail for her to react that way, so it was already kind of weird. And then she got into the whole swear to me thing, and he's like, I swear on Emma Swan. I don't – what? Where did that come <laughs> from? How is that in any way a normal conversation? It was strange to me she was manipulating him to bring him to that point yeah yeah but i she kind of called it a little bit later mm-hmm. talking about, or in the same conversation really she says she mentions he invoked the name of your love in a selfish plea for redemption like <laughs> interesting i might i might have to side with her on that yeah. it was kind <laughs> of a weird desperate thing to say i mean she kind of got him riled up i didn't i don't know it, it was weird it felt off and then and then she gave him green lips i am just gonna say re zelina the apple does not fall far from the tree like she (laughs) apple is totally cora (laughs) which is funny because there could be a whole nature versus nurture discussion also because she was not raised by cora and regina was and regina's not even as much like cora as zelina is you might say she would say love is weakness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might say that. Well, she mentioned Hangman's Island as where mm-hmm. Ariel and Prince Eric actually are. <laughs> and this is a really cool, obscure reference. Hangman's Island, among a few different things out there, I like there is actually an island near Boston. Not really an island, but it's in a bay that's called Hangman's Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Hainman's Island was an episode of the TV show Adventures in Paradise, and it aired on November 21st, 1960, on guess what station? Could it be ABC? Yeah. American Broadcast Company? (laughs) Yeah. Very nice. So I don't know if that was chosen because of that or maybe some other reference that they decided, but when I saw that, I thought, that's cool. We should go back and watch that. Okay. <laughs> and you know how she knew about Hangman's Island? Because her spies are always circling overhead. Always circling. 
I was going to do the Waz voice if you weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought of it instantly. It It was some interesting phrasing. But Zelina knows that she can't kill Emma. Yeah, which was a good bit of deduction on Hook's part. But you know who she does want to kill? Everyone that Emma loves, which is exactly why they wouldn't be out running around just doing normal things. There are at least two murderous magical beings who can appear anywhere they want to. But what do they do? They they, they, they send Henry to the store, they cast a protection spell on the apartment, and then they all go to Granny's for dinner. And Jeff thinks that what will happen <laughs> here is that Zelina will kill someone close to Emma, maybe a series regular. I think she could probably kill them all, except for Emma. I don't think the fans of this show can handle another series regular dying right now. That's probably true. Unless it was a side character. Well, I mean, that's not really a series regular. But But, who does Emma love who's not a series regular? Right. Yeah. Or or seriously maim, at least. Or turn into a monkey and then turn back because... That will probably... Oh, I wonder if they defeat her, if all the monkeys will become people again. Then Walsh can be like, oh, the horrible things you made me do. I love you, Emma, for real. And then Emma will be like, oh, but I love you too. But then there's also Hook, so now I'm still in a love triangle. I wonder if those are just not (laughs) Zelina's motives at all, but she's just saying them because she knows that that's what will get Hook to do what she wants. Because as soon as she mentioned Henry... Which she knows Hook is close to Henry now, like everybody seems to know that because they've been hanging out. As soon as she mentions Henry, that's kind of when his face changed a little bit. So, like, maybe she doesn't really care about hurting Emma's family and she's just, she knows that's what will make Hook tick. That's what Cora's like, too. Hmm. Now, Bryant... uh Ban suggested that maybe when Emma feels true love for Hook and reciprocates and kisses him, maybe that will be powerful enough to break this curse. But uh, (laughs) Renee had the best idea of all here. This is the how it should have ended, really. Okay. (laughs) Renee said, Hi, Renee from Denmark here. First off, thanks for a great podcast. As I watched this scene, I was practically screaming at the screen. (laughs) Kiss her. I, 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 I thought of that after. That's what I was thinking, too. If the spell will take away magical powers, it might even work on Zelina. It, it probably only works on Emma since the whole him loving her yeah. thing. But I think it was worth a try since she wouldn't have seen it coming. At the very least, it would have confused her and made us laugh. <laughs> I am sick of people not doing anything when Zelina is in their presence. Like, Regina could have taken her heart. I know that she said Hook's Hook wouldn't do anything to her, but, you know, worth a shot. Like, they're just standing there. It's like they're mesmerized by her or something. She's not that cool. By her teeth. Because I'm really enjoying her acting. Her teeth are, yeah. That that face, somebody please give me a screenshot of that (laughs) face that I got she one. made i got one we'll have oh, it in the my. show notes. i now understand why she thinks the and i mean this in the best possible sense i understand why <laughs> she thinks that the winged monkeys are beautiful oh which <laughs> and we're looking at a picture of her burying her teeth that is truly epic 
I have found Regina has been baring her teeth more since she met Zelina, too. I'm wondering if they're just trying to get them to act alike. <laughs> By the way, the thing about uh, calling the monkey beautiful one, uh, someone, I'm sorry, I don't have the name on hand, but uh, someone had reminded me uh, in the feedback that in the story, the Wicked Witch of the West used certain terms. Remember? Get you, my pretty, pretty. <laughs> and your and in, little dog, too. Yes. <laughs> and here she's saying, my beautiful one, or, or different words. <laughs> you know what I really want to see? And I just realized the thinking of references to that movie. I want to see Zelina walking down the street, which maybe she can't do, except why not? Because they're like building cribs and stuff. So nobody's going to attack her. But so she's walking down the street and Grumpy tries to solve this and dumps a bucket of water over her head. I just want to see something like that. Of course, it won't melt her, but it's worth a try. He believes it anyway. I'll see that scene and then I'll raise you instead of walking down the street. She's riding the bike. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Riding the bike and a little bit of soundtrack to just kind of hint at the little yes that's my mom's ringtone when she calls so wow it's perfect wow wow we just came full circle (laughs) just like the monkeys (laughs) but you know what else comes full circle we love it when we get to see an itunes review from you because those reviews really encourage us and they help ward off the circling monkeys that are spying on us. So we really appreciate the reviews that you leave over at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes because it also helps other people find the podcast as well. And specifically, I want to thank Glenn San Judas from the Philippines for leaving a kind review for us on iTunes. Thank you so much. And if you haven't left a review yet or you'd like to go and mark some of these other reviews as helpful, see what some of the other people have said, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes, and we'd really appreciate it. Or if you use some other app other than iTunes, still go to iTunes and review the podcast. (laughs) Even if it means install (laughs) iTunes just so you can review it. But if your other app has reviews that you can leave in it, like I know Stitcher and certain other apps do, then we'd love a review there too. But you might need to email us to let us know that you left it there because I can't pull those as easily. But as Hook then goes and visits the magic ladies... (laughs) He he is not actually lying in the things that he's saying. This is something Jacqueline and I talked about in our initial reactions that Emma didn't pick up on this is what Hook is saying isn't actually a lie. So there's, although there was one thing he said that Emma seemed to question a little bit, but she very quickly was on this bandwagon of, well, let's, yeah, let's go see. Let's go spy on this Mm -hmm. couple. And when... Emma and Regina teamed up together like this because they were powerful enough to see the world. It reminded me of a couple different things. One is when Emma and Regina teamed up in order to stop the failsafe. The other thing is when Rumpel and Regina teamed up to try and stop Cora from coming through because they needed the combination of two very powerful magical beings. And then also once upon a time in Wonderland, where Amara and Jafar have to team up in order to enact the curse or the spell that helps mm-hmm. them change the laws of magic. Apparently, magical teams are powerful. Yeah, Wonder Twins unite. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, when they looked in the, I thought looking in the mirror was cool. I just think it was rather convenient that 
Ariel and Eric happened to be frolicking in the waves as though Ariel had just arrived yeah. instead of just sort of chopping firewood and cooking because they've been living on this island for a while. By the way, uh, special props to ABC for using Gil McKinney again to play Prince Eric. I wondered if they got the right person because you never could even see his face, really. Yeah. You barely see him. I couldn't even see close enough to see if it really was him, but he's listed in the credits for this episode. Well, good. Not not just on TV and IMDb, but actually in the episode credits as the credits are rolling at the beginning of the episode. His name is listed in there. Huh. So really cool that he got him just for that one thing. Hey, can we just film you hugging this girl? You don't have to say anything. <laughs> He's like, sure. I wonder if it's contra- like in their contract that if they're using their character again, they have to get them to come and play it unless they are unavailable. Maybe. They don't always. Oh, unless they're unavailable. I don't know. Yeah, well, because when, when Jamie Chung wasn't there for Mulan in the one scene, we know that she was like, it was pilot season and she was, she's regular in another show i think right. so i think she was unavailable so i think it's maybe allowed if you can't be there but well and then there's robin hood who had to be replaced because the guy that they first used i forgot about lacy had to be replaced uh, yeah because he's on another show now like it should be that way to me it should be if you're using a character that you've already established on the show you should have to use the same actor unless there's some reason why you can't I saw a couple little reactions among two two different people here. Hook seemed a little bit disturbed that Emma was willing to do something that he called in bad form using the magic for Ooh. this. So you're saying, because I don't think he really believed that it was, but he was trying to get her to stop. You think that he was, he thought she should have taken his word for it? Maybe, or maybe it was, I'm thinking, based on his reaction, it was when she started to use magic, or when she said to Regina, let's do this, that's when um, he had his little reaction, and it seemed like he was a bit disappointed that she was Hmm. willing to use magic. I think he was concerned, because he did kind of lie in this scene. He said that she had just left, which wasn't true. So I think... That he was just concerned that they wouldn't see or that it wouldn't look convincingly like Ariel had just arrived, which, you know, again, good for him that it looked <laughs> like she had just <laughs> arrived for some reason. But, you know, he was afraid that his lie was going to be exposed and I don't know what was going to happen. He well, is trying to protect them, but he's, you know, I guess he doesn't know what else to do right now. And the other reaction was Regina. Seemed a little hurt seeing someone else having their happy ending, finding their true love. You think so? Yeah. She looked mm. a little hurt. Not just, oh, this again, another happy ending. I want to destroy mm. everyone's happy ending. No, she didn't look like that. <laughs> she looked kind of sad a little bit, like yeah. a slight heartbreak. Not, not not heartbreak, but heart prick or just something that just tugged at her heart yeah. a little bit. Well, she was the one who originally prevented Ariel and Eric from being together. Yeah, that's true. Perhaps she just felt regret for that, seeing how happy they were together now. Hook, by the way, has been hiding his hook whenever he's around Henry. And he did that here in this scene because he came in, not with his glove, but with his hook. But as soon as Henry came, Hook put his left hand behind his back and kept it there until after he got out (laughs) into the hallway. Wondered how he was, you know, explaining the hook on the pirate. Well, the guy who still dresses like a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Despite being there for 
however long. Speaking of the happy ending, that's another thing that on first watching when it looked like Eric was dead, I was kind of upset because I was like, what are they going to do? Are they going to leave any happy endings in the show? What's going on? But then it turned out not to be true. And they even reassured us that they are having their happy ending, at least for now. I say that because some of the happy endings still seem to end up in jeopardy, but maybe we can assume they're safe. Even, you know, living on a place called Hangman's Island. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that's their little adventure in paradise. Maybe it is. You see what I did there? I do. Okay. I do. (laughs) (laughs) But then Herc leaves, and the way that Emma kind of looked at him as he was leaving, almost made it seem like Emma wanted him to stay and continue kind of Oh, I thought she wanted a kiss. A I think she did want him to stay, for sure. I think she wanted a kiss. She was yearning. She was yearning, you're right. <laughs> and she was all tongue-tied and doughy-eyed. <laughs> well, good And dare I say twitter-pated? Is that Maybe. twitter-pated? I wanted to know how Hook didn't know that by not kissing her that night, Delina wasn't going to say, well, you didn't hold up your end of the deal. Go get him, dearie. This is what I thought was going to happen at the end of the episode. I thought that Hook was going to say to Smee, he was going to go find his crew, and he was going to be like, okay, let's go. And he was going to leave or try to leave Storybrooke to protect Emma. Yeah, except then everybody she loves would get hurt. Maybe, but then he wouldn't have to deal with that because he wouldn't be there. Oh, (laughs) well, I guess maybe I give him more credit than I thought I did because I didn't think that he would (laughs) abandon them that way. (laughs) Well, that could be what happens in the next episode, because the last scene that we see is his walking down the street alone and looking at Emma from a distance. Well, yeah, but still in town. Yeah, at least for now. But there again. I mean, they're probably all going to die anyway because they're at the diner instead of in the protection spell. But crossbow. <laughs> and crossbow, yeah, crossbow. <laughs> That's true. Um, but we know we know that they're safe because he has a deal with Selena. But mm. they don't know that. A little thing that I wondered if I was the only person who thought this, and it turns out I wasn't. One of our listeners, Aaron, sent in this thought. When Hook looked through the telescope and saw Emma. She was under the sign that said sandwich. But directly <laughs> above her. Yeah. Oh, the witch thing? Directly above her. Yeah, W I C H. Yeah, that's not how witch is spelled. But uh Aaron sent this in. Aaron said this wouldn't be weird if the W I C H part wasn't perfectly visible <laughs> over Emma's head while Hook looks at her. This leads me to believe that Emma might be one of the Good witches. I've been playing around with this idea since I found out they were doing Oz, but the last episode really cemented the idea in my head. And yeah, that could be true. Like Oz had good witches and bad witches. She is from New York. And she is very, very powerful. Lots of lands have a north. (laughs) Zelina (laughs) is a witch, and she's more powerful than Regina, who is just a sorceress. And Cora was called a sorceress. Rumpel has been called a wizard and a sorcerer and an imp and, you know, many things. He is oh, the... so many things. He's a jack of all trades. Yeah. <laughs> master, master of all, probably. Probably. <laughs> but it could be cool if Emma is actually a good witch. I take issue with 
people trying to put fairy tale labels on Emma because it was very, very clearly established at the beginning of the show that Emma is Emma and she is no other fairy tale character. Well, yeah, I agree with that, that she isn't a fairy tale character, but she could be a good witch. A representative of... Well, if your definition of a witch is somebody who does magic, and if your definition of good is somebody who does it for non-evil purposes, <laughs> then I think that works. I didn't notice the sandwich observation, though. That is very cool. Well, one of the big things that I want to talk about from this episode is about how this kiss might affect the whole relationship and the story really going forward. So we've brought on Jacqueline and Hunter to join us in this conversation. Hi. Hello. And Jacqueline, with your connection very deeply in what's going on in the the (laughs) fan forums and how much people are passionate about their ships, what's Mm -hmm. the feeling now about this, especially from the Captain Swan shippers? Even Hook is passionate about his ship. (laughs) Yeah. But, he, he is. And just to answer a question that Jeremy had earlier, <laughs> the ship name for Hook and his ship is the Jolly Hook. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you. I, I desperately wanted to know. <laughs> I was thinking about it earlier. <laughs> like, hmm, this is probably already a thing. So what about, though, this kiss or the, the kiss that shouldn't happen, the forbidden kiss? Oh, dear. Between Emma and Hook. How is the fan community that especially the captain swan shippers reacting to this well i think they took it in stride i have to give them credit for that most of them are convinced that there will probably be a kiss before the end of this season they've been saying that since really since the beginning of the season and they're sticking with it and they are sort of right now i think saying that it will be emma's decision to kiss hook and that it will be true love and that it's going to break the curse that Zelina has put on Hook's, Hook's kiss. Yeah, that's very similar to what uh, Bryant suggested earlier. Here's mm-hmm. something suggested by Gareth, one of our other listeners. He said, I could see Emma getting addicted to magic for a time. That's what Jacqueline, you and I talked about on Sunday. But he says, perhaps Zelina's plan will backfire and Hook kissing Emma and taking away her powers will be the best thing to ever happen. If her powers get out of control or if she starts going dark or whatever, I think Emma's power will be involved in defeating Zelina, but nothing as simple as Regina and Emma joining together to create a magic lightning bolt to kill her. Oh, dear. I think that could be (laughs) an interesting twist to this because, yeah, what if this thing that we're thinking is big and bad and horrible if it happens and affects the storyline in a bad way? What if its effect is actually good? Well, one thing people have been speculating is that Zelina is underestimating Emma because back in the episode previous to this, Emma declares herself the savior and Zelina's response is, I don't dance with amateurs. So she really has no idea, I think, just how powerful (laughs) Emma Swan really is. And so she thinks that this kiss will, is sort of the end all be all solution to her Emma Swan problem. And You know, I have to agree. I think Emma's much more powerful than Zelina thinks. Maybe. Why would she know that she can't kill Emma, though? Plot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's funny. Well, I think that in the next, well, we've got five episodes left. 
I mean, that seems like such a small number. That's where we were when Once Upon a Time in Wonderland resumed, as we had five episodes left. Oh, how it does feel small. Yeah. Yeah. So something's going to happen soon. I would guess probably in the next three episodes will be something about this kiss. Maybe the next two episodes. Oh, I think next episode. Well, one of the big questions people have been asking is, will Hook tell? Because there's sort of two ideas. From a narrative standpoint, you've created now this tension where one character and the audience knows something, but the rest of the characters are in the dark. And so you want to keep that tension alive for as long as possible so that you keep bringing in the viewers, oh my gosh, will he tell, will he kiss? But from a character development standpoint, you really want Hook to find some way to tell somebody what's going on, (laughs) even if it reduces the tension. Yes. The funny thing is that we could take this conversation just the last couple minutes and we could paste it into our (laughs) podcast from last year when we were wondering whether Hook would tell Emma about Neil. And that happened the very next episode. Right. And actually, from our forums, Jenna B. brought up the idea that when he went to Mary Margaret's apartment, he was probably going there to ask Snow and Charming's advice about what to do, and he didn't expect Emma to be there. And so when he sees that Emma is there, his entire plan has to change, and he tries his best not to flat-out lie, but he kind of has to do a lot of dancing. Interesting. (laughs) Mm, That does make a lot of sense, I think. Because, I mean, honestly, what is he supposed to do? Supposed to go up to her and say, Emma Swan, I am madly in love with you, which is not a thing that Hook does, even though we, the audience, know that he is in love. It has taken quite a while for him to declare it out loud now. He's not going to go up to the girl who, as of right now, hasn't shown much interest in a romantic relationship with him and say, I am in love with you, I need to kiss you, or your entire family will die. (laughs) Well, look back at the beginning of this mid-season part. He basically, or at (laughs) the end, actually, he, you know, tried to kiss her, and your family's in trouble, and I thought my kiss would help. (laughs) Right, which she would still remember, so I wonder if that will come back up, you know? I've tried to kiss you to save your family once before, and now you need to trust me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it could be some little secret code that they'll have uh, between uh, this. Do you think she'll notice? That's my question. I think she did already. Well, what? I mean, if her magic is taken away, is it kind of a silent thing or is it a a green flash kind of thing? And she goes, what just happened? That's not what I thought you were talking about. Sorry. Oh, Oh, no, no. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, Rumple, when he starts to lose his magic, he stops being, you know, scaly. So what would happen to Emma? Yeah, and Cora could feel that magic was in Storybrooke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Emma can feel it sometimes. And Regina could feel, too. Mm-hmm. Emma could feel something dark magic when they were down in Rumple's little cave. So it's a question of whether she goes hey, you kissed me and something happened, or she goes to use magic at a crucial moment and it's just not there. Hunter, tell us about this nice little extra Disney connection that we got. The end of the episode when they're looking through the mirror when Emma pulls up the Ariel and Prince Eric, 
Um, the Skype call? <laughs> the Skype call, yes. Um, you see Eric pick her, picks her up and spins her around, and that's pretty much exactly what happens in the movie, at the end of the movie, when Ariel gets her legs and she goes running to Prince Eric. So it reminded me exactly of the movie. <laughs> Blue dress and everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she's even wearing this sparkly dress. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Soundtrack did you guys? By Daniel Lewis. Yes. <laughs> did you see the tweet from Gil McKinney telling everybody that he was in this episode and how he kind of hashtagged it? He hashtagged it like, pick up the girl, twirl, kiss, and scene. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's very accurate. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's very spoilery. <laughs> I wouldn't, I'm glad I didn't see that before the episode. Now, speaking of spoilers, Hunter and Jacqueline, you guys are going to, or ladies, are going to talk about some spoilers <laughs> after we finish. But I want to know, just, just with an answer of yes or no... Don't say anything, of Gravy course. Gravy or butter. <laughs> Is this going to spoil you- me? No, uh, because I want just a yes or a no on this, and it's a very broad question. Do you have spoilers yet for the season finale? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Many of them. Oh, okay. Dislike. Which I'm not surprised, because they've already filmed it. Will there be characters in it? <laughs> there will be. That, yes. No, don't don't get too specific. That's <laughs> will too it much. have a plot? Stop, stop. <laughs> Does the episode have a title? Yes. <laughs> Well, Does it have a title? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have all of them. <laughs> yeah, we've had all of the titles for a couple weeks now, Titles are my yeah. only spoiler. They're like my my spoiler vice. That's it. Just You're titles. weak, Jeremy. You're weak. I'm weak? <laughs> my goodness. I think I'm quite strong to be able to withstand the titles. I don't know any of the titles. <laughs> I don't know anything. I wow. forget the titles promptly after I see them. I often forget while I'm watching. But here's what we want you to do is we want you to not forget us when you have your theories and your ideas of what might be going on in Once Upon a Time. So when the next episode airs, please email us your theories for the podcast by sending it to feedback at oncepodcast.com and put the subject line as the episode title or the episode title as the subject line in your email. And you can also pick up the phone and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. And you can comment on the stuff that we talked about in this episode because for now in the podcast, we're finished talking about this episode, The Jolly Roger. So if you want to continue the conversation on certain points that we brought out here, two places for you to go. One is the show notes, oncepodcast.com slash 143. Or the forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Please connect with us. We're on Twitter. We're on we're even on Tumblr. We're on Facebook and Google Plus and all kinds of places. You can see all of those at oncepodcast.com. But definitely follow us on Twitter for the late breaking news that we share at oncepodcast. And you can follow each of us individually on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. I'm Hunter on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Special thanks to our whole team of volunteers who help make this podcast possible. Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing the episode, Hunter and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll get to hear those in just a couple minutes. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums. Jacob for help with screenshots. Keb for managing our timeline. Aliascape and Aaron J for moderating the chat room. 
Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline for co-hosting this podcast with me and for you for being part of this community. We'd love to have your feedback. So send that in for the next episode of Once Podcast. Again, get the show notes and screenshots at oncepodcast.com slash 143. And until next time, remember, being good is nothing to be ashamed of. Look at me. I have legs and I fell in love with a human. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and help make this podcast possible, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to make a one-time or automatic ongoing monthly donation, and we'd really appreciate it. Hi everyone, Hunter Hathaway here. And Jacqueline. And we've got your spoilers. Season 3, episode 18, Bleeding Through, is written by Daniel T. Thompson and Jane Epsonson and directed by Romeo Tyrone. After Zelina steals Regina's heart, Regina casts a spell so that she can speak across the realms to her dead mother, Cora, to discover the truth about why she abandoned Zelina. And Belle stumbles across what Zelina's ultimate endgame is. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, young Cora is duped by a man claiming to be a prince and finds herself alone and pregnant. But a chance meeting with a real prince could lead Cora to the royal life she's always craved. But she must keep her pregnancy a secret or risk losing everything. We've got a lot of guest stars in this episode. Mm-hmm. We do. We've got Rose McGowan back as young Cora. Rebecca Matter as Zelina. Um, Robin Hood is here. David D. Lauder as Jonathan, Eric Lang as Prince Leopold, Eva Bourne as Princess Eva, uh, Steve Elliott as Drunk, Yvette Dudley Newman as Midwife, Brian Knox McGannon as Drunk Charlie's Friend, Raphael Alejandro as Roland, Michael P. Norley as Friar Tuck, and Gabrielle Giard as Royal Aid. Well, the one thing I'm taking away from this press release is that Leo is probably not her father, and there was much rejoicing. Yes. The real popular theory right now is that it might be this character named Jonathan, because Mm -hmm. he's the only guest star who's not important but was given a name. And if you look at him, he looks like he could be a heartbreaker. He's quite handsome. Yeah. So the the There's a lot of photos out for everyone. (laughs) Yes, yes, there are, and they are disturbing, so be forewarned before you go looking at them. They're very disturbing, and did you see, like, okay, we're just gonna, let's just jump to the photos quickly. Yeah. The photos of of Rumpel and the Wicked Witch are face-to-face, kissing, sitting there having a romantic dinner with glasses of wine, and I think they're meat pies. They are meat pies, and not only are they kissing, but her legs are wrapped all the way around him. I... No, no. Okay. I was getting grossed out looking at these photos. I'm like, ill, ill, ill. Like in my notes here, you'll see it says yucky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's got the dagger. So it's, I think she's probably manipulating and controlling him into doing all this. And who's that guy that's in that scene? I think that might be the director. 
Okay. Yeah, because I think he's explaining a scene and how he wants to frame it or something. Okay, because I'm like, who who is that guy? Yeah, but she is all dressed up. She wants a romantic evening with Rumple, And at one point, she's waving the dagger around. Ugh. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But then the other half of the photos are the story that's in the past, far, far past. Mm-hmm, with, with young, young Cora. Cora. And it looks like... Zelina as right after she was born. Yes. And then there are some photos of her with young uh, King Leopold, I guess, and Mm -hmm. young Queen Ava. And I don't know what's going on there because there's one photo where Cora's kissing Leo and then it looks like she's getting thrown out. Right. It's very strange. It's very, very very strange. And you also see, there's one, there's like two photos of Emma at Granny's, and it looks like she has the spell books. Yes. But the gowns are really pretty. Oh, (laughs) I know. That's a Uh, The big white one. I really like the big white one. I do too. (gasps) I'm a sucker for a regal gown. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be an interesting episode. Let's put it that way. Okay. Did you see both the previews, the American and the Canadian one? I saw the American. Okay. Well, just so you know, there is a Canadian one out there. It is another really bad quality. I really need to get on the website so I can see the full without not as bad quality. So it looks like the Wicked Witch has a heart. And Mm -hmm. from the press release, we do know it is Regina's heart. And you do see in the Canadian preview, you see Rumpel and Robin Hood in the woods. And Rumpel is, or Robin Hood has the bow and is pointing it straight at Rumpel. And he's just like demanding the heart. He's like, I want yeah. her heart. I want her heart. And then he sees Robin Hood's son right there. And like Rumple's like really interested. Like, oh, who's this? So that could be kind of scary. We do see a green twister. So magic's already there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if the twister was like when she got, like, I don't know where this twister is. Right. My first thought was that it'll be the twister that takes Zelina to Oz which we saw in It's mm-hmm. Not Easy Being Green. Right. Or it could be another twister because you know them and they just edit things together. So yeah, <laughs> who knows when that was. Um, Belle does know what the, the, what the Wicked Witch wants. Regina, Emma, and Hook are the ones that do the seance and they're lighting that weird candle and they want to talk to Cora, of course. Yes, it is the candle that is from season two, the one mm-hmm. Snow used to curse Cora's heart. And then it looks like another horror film. It does. There's some weird scene where they're in Regina's house and something spooky is happening and a door like flies off its hinges and it looks like a passage into some sort of netherworld maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it's filmed like another horror film. Yes. Kind of like The Tower. (sighs) And then the only other thing that I got, it was from the Canadian preview. It looks like Regina's opened the front door to her house and she's looking out. And then behind her, the Wicked Witch of the West has shown up inside her house. And she Mm. wants to take Regina's heart. But then, of course, it's not there. So I guess she finds out then that Robin Hood has it. And um, Belle does not want to help Regina in any way. But Regina says that if she doesn't help, then Belle may never get to see Rumpel again. So she's kind of, like, using her to her advantage. Just, um... One more thing. On mm-hmm. Saturday, Adam, Eddie, Josh Dallas, and Rebecca Mater are going to be at WonderCon. 
and we've already got a thread for it over at the forums if people are interested, but they are going to be screening the full episode bleeding through, and while we probably won't have video, we will probably have episode notes from people that will be attending, so if you want to go in with a lot of spoilers about this episode, you can go over to the forums and find that thread, and they will. the spoilers will probably be posted by, I don't know, late evening Saturday. Okay. One thing I do want to say that I did find in my notes while I was doing my research is I want to give a huge congratulations to Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas because they got married over the weekend. Yay! Yay! So congratulations, guys. That's about all we have for you today. I'm Hunter. On Twitter, you can follow me at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.